This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let us pray using the words of the ninth century hymn, Veni Creator Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit, our souls inspire, enlighten with celestial fire. Amen. You may be seated. It is hard to get our minds around what happened that day in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost was a multi-sensory explosion of heavenly power that fell on the disciples. From our Acts reading, verses 1 through 3, we learn that with their ears, they heard the sound of like the rush of a violent wind. And with their eyes, they saw what looked like tongues of fire. And they were astounded when the disciples began to speak in languages that people from around the world could understand. In the words of the late evangelist Billy Graham, Pentecost was the day of power of the Holy Spirit. It was the day the Christian church was born, end quote. From that day until this, the Holy Spirit dwells in his church. The Holy Spirit is alive in the body of Christ and in the hearts of believers. Of course, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has been active throughout salvation history. The Holy Spirit came as breath as Jesus breathed on his disciples following his resurrection. He was present in the form of a dove at Jesus's baptism. By the way, do you just love the dove that goes flying through here on Pentecost? It's one of my favorite visuals. The Holy Spirit was active in Jesus's conception, overshadowing the Virgin in the power of the Most High. And as our creed affirms, the Spirit has spoken through the prophets. And of course, the Holy Spirit was, from the beginning, hovering over the waters of creation. These images of God as breath and dove and wind and water and fire are powerful, but they also make it really hard to think of the Holy Spirit as a person the third person in the fellowship of the Holy Trinity. Gordon Fee, in his book, Paul, the Spirit, and the People of God, a book that Father Kevin and some others will be studying this Wednesday night, he writes this, the Spirit is not merely an impersonal force or influence of power. The Spirit is none other than the fulfillment of the promise that God himself would once again be present with his people. God, as the Spirit, is giving his own personal presence into our lives and into our midst." End quote. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost changed the course of history and the Holy Spirit has changed the course of my history. Knowing his love and knowing his presence changed me. His overwhelming love 
filled me with joy. I went from actually just knowing about God to knowing that God actually loved me. And knowing this, knowing that God loves me, knowing that God loves you changes everything. And this just wasn't just once and long ago and far away. It's every single day we can be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit helps me pray, nudges me to reach out, and helps me to say or do things when I have nothing to say and I don't know what to do. God has been making his personal presence known to the world in the person of Jesus. At Christmas time, we celebrate God with us in the helpless child in the manger. On Good Friday, we remember God is for us as he hung on the cross for our sins. And on Pentecost, we rejoice at God in us. God in us, his spirit dwelling in the church and dwelling in our hearts. The gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost came to the disciples as the wind or the breath of God and the fire of his presence. Verse 6 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other language, other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. That day, both the disciples and the listeners experienced something miraculous. Language. Language which had been the source of confusion since the Tower of Babel, and let's, quite frankly, it's still the source of a lot of confusion, uh, became, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, a unifying language. It brought the listeners together so that they heard the disciples speaking of God's love in their native tongue. I'll tell you what, I, I don't speak uh, Farsi or Mandarin or Lebanese or um, what else do we have? German, Spanish. We had all those wonderful languages together, but I can't help but think if that, if I were in another country and I heard my home language, my mother tongue being spoken and hearing about God's goodness in that language, wow. How hospitable, what a welcome home, what an incredible experience to hear God's praises proclaimed in your own language. As one commentator observed, quote, the disciples were empowered to speak in some 15 different languages, not their own, and not just any foreign languages. The Spirit empowered them specifically to speak the languages of the devout Jews from every nation who were in Jerusalem, end quote. It wasn't just a display of languages for the sake of something spectacular, although it was something spectacular. The languages were specific to communicate to the people who were right there. God's supernatural gift that day was miraculous and it connected those Jews with the disciples and brought them closer to understanding what Jesus was all about, who Jesus was all about. At that time, Jerusalem was home to devout Jews from various nations, yet because it was the Pentecost festival, the holy city was just overflowing with visitors who had arrived just for the celebration. Pentecost 
refers to what number? Five. It comes five, but it's actually 50, as in 50 days. 50 days, 50 days after the Passover. The Jewish celebration of Pentecost was one that marked God's giving of the Torah, which is the law of God, and marked the giving of the first fruits of the harvest. Pentecost was a big deal. Jews from around the then known world were there to celebrate God's gifts of Torah and God's gifts of harvest. But little did they know that God had another amazing, spectacular gift of the Holy Spirit to give them that day. In verses five through eight, we read that now there were devout Jews from every, they were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? This gift of tongues launched the disciples out out on mission, out into the world, out of their small band of 12, 120, into the much greater world. And this gift of language enabled them to share the good news of Jesus Christ and connect with others. I wonder, what language would the Holy Spirit give you and give me so that we could speak and others could hear us speak of God's love for them. What language, either literally or figuratively, is needed in order for people in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our lives to hear about God? And what about our workplace or our school? How do we need to speak in order for our colleagues and friends to hear of God's love? We've seen God empower some of us here to speak in the language of love through music and arts. While that's not a spoken language, boy, does, does art and music speak to our souls. Other people speak the language of mathematics and science, and God is seen through, through that language. How might God enable us to speak the language of his love his compassion, his kindness to a world that so desperately needs it. When we look, we can see God speaking in our church, particularly when we think about the international program and the ESL Bible studies. We know lots of people there who are speaking the language of God's love. And today, some of our international friends are being baptized because of the language of love that some of you who are sitting right here have been speaking to them, speaking of God's love over the years. Not everyone on the day of Pentecost was open to the move of the Spirit. Verse 13 says, others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine, mocking them as drunkards. But Peter addressed the scoffers 
in verses 14 through 20, first by addressing their misunderstanding of what they perceived as drunkenness, by pointing them to the words of the prophet Joel, giving them an interpretation of what it was they were hearing. Joel foretold what would happen when God poured out his spirit on all flesh. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. They will tell of God's goodness. They will tell of God's salvation. They will tell the gospel story. Various cosmic signs will appear before the coming day of the Lord. And the promise is this that Joel has. Then everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That, my friends, is good news. Peter's full sermon in our reading today, we only had a partial, partial part of it, he concludes with a challenge to those Jewish listeners to whom he was speaking. He said to them, repent and be baptized. And verse 41 has the harvest conclusion. Those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day 3,000 persons were added to their numbers. Today, we are rejoicing that between the two services, we have 12 individuals who are being baptized. The Spirit is doing an amazing work in our community. The disciples, uh, their powerful infilling of the Spirit on Pentecost was what Jesus had promised them 50 days before it was at the Passover meal when he sat and ate with them that he told them about what would happen. Our gospel reading captures some of that conversation. After Jesus had revealed himself as God's fulfillment for salvation, and after telling the disciples about his impending death and suffering, Jesus comforts them. He comforts them with the assurance of his continuing presence. While he would be gone, he would still be with them. Jesus speaks to them about the Holy Spirit, whom he and the Father will send. Verse 16 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Advocate is Latin for a legal term for someone who is called to help, to come alongside and help, especially in critical situations. Other words to describe the work of the Holy Spirit include helper, counselor, comforter, encourager, befriender, true friend, that is one who speaks the truth. God's promised Holy Spirit will empower them and us for the work of mission and ministry. The Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary for God's work. Corey Ten Boom rightly observed this. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you." End quote. Have you had that experience? 
of trying to do it on your own? I know I have, and I agree with her. It's laborious. But filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like the power switch has gone on for ministry. And through the Holy Spirit, as we're going about the work of the kingdom, God gives us his peace. I love these words that our gospel reading ended with today. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Sometimes we are afraid and often our hearts are troubled. We can be anxious, we can be depressed, we can be lonely. We desperately need God's peace and we need to share that peace with an anxious, lonely, and desperate world. It's Jesus's peace that we share and that peace is found in the community of believers. When Jesus says, peace I leave with you, he's speaking in the plural. He's saying it to us as the church gathered. His peace is here. It's in the fellowship of the church that we experience peace. God's peace is here as we worship, as we pray, as we receive the sacraments. This is why in-person worship is so important to our spiritual well-being. We are so grateful for live stream technology. Hello to you who are watching. But it's really not the same as doing actual life together, that embodiment. Jesus even says, when two or more are gathered in my name, I am in their midst. So when we are gathered, he is there. Christian community is where we encounter the presence and peace of God. And that's why we make such a big deal about community groups, for, for fellowship, for prayer, for study, and more. It's here that we learn to experience and speak of God's love. It's also why we offer soul care. This is my little pitch. We want to create, through soul care, we create space to experience together God's presence and to experience God's peace. And if you haven't come to one of these, check it out. We have one coming up on Saturday the 17th. And we meet for 90 minutes in a rhythm of silence and prayer and reflection and meditation on God's word. And we take it very slowly. We have so many stories of how God has met us as we gather together and how we have received his presence and peace. Join us on one of these. On Pentecost, we rejoice at God in us and in us in the body of Christ. The spirit of the living God is alive in our church and alive in our heart, and that changes everything. Let's pray. Come, O Spirit, come and fill us up. Give us your voice to speak of your love. Let your sh love shine through us and send us out all over the world. Amen.